Let's pray and um, just believe God for some utterance for this afternoon. Father, we thank you so much for being so good to us and so kind to us. We thank you for this ministry. Thank you for the privilege of being involved in your work here. And Lord, we thank you that you're a healing God. You are Jehovah Rapha, our healer, our great physician. And we thank you that we're not as others in darkness about it, but we know that it is your will for us to be healed and whole. And you have kept us and delivered us, and you will keep us. We'll continue to believe you. You, you are our healer. You heal us from every disease. And we ask you, Lord, that you'd just quicken our faith with your word and help us to see anything that we'd need to be reminded of along these lines today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Psalm 91, very familiar passage of Scripture, down toward the end of it is a great statement that we use in connection with healing and health. In uh, verse 14, we'll start reading in Psalm 91, 14. Uh, the psalmist says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. How many like that, that word? With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Why don't you just say that with me if you can. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now that's what the Lord is saying. So turn it around. We'd say it like this. With long life he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Let's say it at least a couple of times. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Say it again. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Praise God. Do you believe that? I mean, if you didn't know anything else about it, you'd know from this scripture that it's God's perfect will that we live a long time, that we have a full life. Of course, you know, we know the Lord's coming back soon. And if he comes back before you get a chance to live a long, long time down here, well, that'll just be fine and good too, right? But if he tears his coming for some period of time, we know we're not promised that we live down here forever. But we do have a right in Christ. One of our redemptive rights is the right to live a long, full, blessed life. Amen. When we, uh, you know, the Lord tears is coming and we cross the finish line on our race. We ought to be like it said of the patriarchs, that they were full of days. Aged and satisfied. Hallelujah. And usually accompanied with that, it mentions rich. <laughs> God had blessed them in every way. They were rich. They were full of days, full of years, full of experience. You know, we have a job to do down here in the kingdom of God. But also, I believe that as we go, God wants us to experience life to its full. 
And that's a strong argument in case for healing. You can't die as a teenager and have experienced life in full. You can't die in your mid-twenties or your mid-thirties or your mid-fifties. Right? And as we go on, you'll see it goes on and on. But uh, it's a strong argument for healing because you can't die in midlife or in youth with a sickness and disease and have this scripture come to pass in your life. Can you? I mean, if, if cancer snuffs out a life at 49, did they have a full life? No, they didn't. Then was that God's perfect will? It wasn't. Now, thank God if people are saved and they go on home to be with the Lord, well, that's wonderful, wonderful. But they were robbed of uh, the fullness of life that they could have had down here. Now, sometimes people are ready to go on, they think. They think, well, man, I'm, I'm tired of this. I wish I could just go right now. Well, that's probably because you're not living on the level of victory that you should be. If you were living in greater victory, you might not be in such a rush. <laughs> right? You know, so many times I think people, they, they, they talk as much about the rapture as they do because they're so miserable in life. Thank God for the coming of the Master. And if He was ready to come and everything was done today and He came today, well, glory. That just means we go up and it gets much, much better quick. But uh, we ought not just be biding our time and wishing, you know, that it would, our life would hurry up and be over. That's a big mistake, isn't it? I think some people look at, you know, they, they say, well, God, I wish, hurry up and come, Lord. Hurry up and come, Lord, because they owe money. <laughs> and because they're unhappy in their marriage and they're unhappy with, and their kids are acting crazy and their job is not comfortable and good. But that's not time to holler, take me out real quick. That's time to rise up in faith and use the authority in the name of Jesus and just rise up to a higher level of victory. We should enjoy life. Amen. Even the trials and the tests. Didn't the Bible say to do what when trials and tests come up? Count it all. Didn't say cry and say, Lord, get me out. Please get me out. Please help me. I don't want to stay another day. No, really, to tell the truth, that's, that's being weak in faith. It's being weak to just want to cry and pull the cover over your head and, please, Lord, get me out of this quick. No, no. The, the Lord's not coming, wanting to come back for a wimpy, defeated church. <laughs> the Lord's not wanting to come back uh, and the trumpet sound and the, and the sky split and Him try to find where we are huddled behind a bush somewhere, <laughs> cowering fear from the devil. No, He's coming back for a glorious church, a victorious, triumphant church. He's already whipped the devil. He's a defeated foe, but we have to occupy till He comes. Amen? And when the Lord comes, we ought to be standing there with our foot on the devil's neck. Amen. Shouting the victory. Telling the Lord, we're looking for you. We were looking for you. But while we were waiting, we were, we were defeating the enemy. We were living in victory. We were living on the level that you called us to. And if you are living like that, you're not in a hurry to leave. Are you? You're not wanting to leave at 35 or 65. 
we, we need to have a sense of purpose. And we need to know that even if you live, if you live down here for 150 years, that's nothing. It'll come, it'll go. I remember my uh, aunt. Her name was Leo. It's an interesting name, isn't it? That was her name. Aunt Leo. And I remember talking to her when she was 103. Everybody say 103. And uh, she lived in her own house. Did her own cooking and her own housework. At 103. Now she lived nearby her children. It was just, you know, just not too far walk across the yard to her, some of her kids' house. But she lived out there in a little house of her own. Now she didn't do a lot of stuff, but she, you know, she did around for herself. Live, that's pretty good, living by yourself. 103. And you could talk with her, and I mean, she was just as sharp as anybody you'd want to talk to. I mean, she remembered what happened 65 and 75 years ago, who married who, and who was whose second cousin and third cousin. And I mean, she was a walking family tree. You remembered all of it. All of it. And, uh, you know, I've been a... A student of studying after longevity ever since I've been involved in healing school. It's just been an interest of mine. And you'll find certain characteristics in uh, common a lot of times with people that live long. You, we might mention some of these before the session is over today. But one of them we're talking about now, you, you can't just be miserable with life. Right? You can't just be biding your time. Because if you have, if, if secretly you're wanting to get out of here and you're tired of life, well, you're going to start giving up. You know, it's recorded medical cases of people that there was nothing wrong with them physically that just sat down and over a period of time died. I mean, there's a number of cases of people, there was nothing wrong with them. But they just, maybe they, they lost a loved one or they... Uh, Something happened that really affected their life in a negative, traumatic way. And they just, I remember one, one thing, person I'm thinking about, they just went home after the tragedy had occurred and sat down in their chair. And just stayed there for days and days and days. And then eventually got to, went to the bed. You know, they became bed fast. Well, you know, just your body, if you don't use it, things just start quitting. They just start shutting down. I know I was, I was reading a study the other day uh, about they were studying uh, the aging process and what have you. And uh, some of the conclusions of the doctors on the case, they were saying that so, much, so many of the problems that some of the older people were seeing was more from lack of use than just being a certain amount of years old. And, and when they'd get back to using and, and, and exercising and some of the strength had come back and the bone mass had come back. There's a real truth to, if you don't use it, you lose it. Real truth to that. And it's amazing how even the body in its fallen condition, how that uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, resiliency to the body. And how that if you'll nurture it and take care of it, it'll come back to a large degree. So, uh, he said here, with long life, everybody say long life. Long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
Now, I don't think you'd need a whole lot of convincing, but there are people that believe wrongly. Uh, they misquote, actually, a scripture in Hebrews 9 and say, well, you know, everybody's got their appointed time to die. And when your time comes, you're going whether or no. Hebrews 9.27 didn't say that. It said it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. If you read that whole passage, he was talking about that Jesus was offered once. And the sacrifice was made once. And it's appointed unto men once to die. So the emphasis is on what? Once. One time. Not on the specific timing, but the emphasis is on one. Why would you have to say that people only going to die? People will die one time. It's appointed to men to, to die once. Uh, you can only die once, right? No, there's the second death. I said there's the second death. There, there's hell and the uh, the lake of fire and brimstone. And thank God, you and I will never see the second death. Even if the Lord tears His coming, we'll only die one time. And that's all the death we'll ever know. Now, if he comes beforehand, we won't even experience that. We'll just be changed in a moment. The twinkling of an eye. That would be exciting too. But it's appointed unto man once to die. Now, the reason I bring that up is because there are people that have the idea that you have a certain day and hour and time that's preset for you to go. And when that, you know, when the clock clicks, <laughs> then, you know, there's all this hype that people have built up. And the thing is, a lot of folk think it's true. When the clock ticks, then here comes old Grim Reaper. And uh, the jig is up. Your number is up. <laughs> it might be 3.45 on a Thursday afternoon. You might be 25. But when your number comes up... That's it. And how many times have you heard people say, well, I guess it was just their time. It was just their time. Well, that's not Bible. That's not accurate. This scripture that they're often misquoting, they're saying it's appointed unto man a time to die. That didn't say that. It's appointed unto men once to die. And we're not promised we're going to live down here forever. If the Lord tears is coming, we will die one time. We can have victory even in that, though. If, we, if you're a child of God and you know where you're going and you know that you finished your course with joy and you're full of years, full of life, aged and satisfied and ready to go, there's no defeat in that. I said there's no defeat in that. And even when you lay your body down, you know it won't be long. You're going to come back and pick it up. <laughs> it's going to be glorified. Because that's why the Bible says, oh, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? You don't have it. Because Jesus has overcome it. I'll read something to you that will further clarify this. Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter, and verse 17, Ecclesiastes 7, 17 says, Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why should you die before your time? That's interesting, isn't it? Why should you die before your time? Or the margin literally says, not in your time. 
why should you die not in your time or why should you die before your time and he talked about reasons why you would do that is being wicked and being foolish there's a lot of people no longer with us just just simply because they were foolish you know God has set the laws natural laws in motion and gave us a brain and we ought to have enough sense to not step out in front of a truck or jump off a mountain, right? And uh, there are many situations where people, if they'd have followed their spirit, the Lord was dealing with them, don't do that, don't do that, that's foolish. And, and yet they just ignored that and overrode that. And, and God didn't take them. It wasn't their time. They died early. They died not in their time. I have relatives and friends and family. You probably do too. That's not with us anymore. And they died not in their time. Well, what, when he says not in your time, what, what does it mean? If you back up a little bit to Ecclesiastes 3, I'll just read it to you. It sounds like a conflict here, but it's not. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, To everything there's a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. Now some might think, well man, you just messed yourself up there because I thought you were saying that there's not a specific time to die. No, all the scriptures have to agree. Right? You have to, you have to go back to what he begins saying. He said to everything there's a time and a what? A season. A season. In Job, it's written, let me read it to you, Job 5, 26. It says, you shall come to your grave in a full age, like as a shock of corn comes in his season. In his season. Is there a time to die? There's a season. When he says time, he's talking about not four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, no matter what age you are. He's talking about a season. And this season is compared to when the crop is ripe and full. He said, you'll come to your grave, talking about the blessing on Job, you'll come to your grave uh, in a full age, like a shock of corn in its season. Well, when the corn is green and the ear is not even developed, well, that's not time to, to reap it, is it? I mean, we, we have that much sense about natural things, and that's what the Bible is teaching us about uh, life and about spiritual things. And in fact, we have a lot to do with how long we live, or how short we live, and when we go, and how we go. You can go in the wrong time, and you can go in the wrong way. You know, the, the prophet Balaam, he said back in Numbers, Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. The righteous ought not die like the wicked do, should they? And the wicked are not, not going to die like the righteous. He said, let me die the death of the righteous. You know, when I think about the death of the righteous, I'm reminded of how that uh, Israel, at the end of his days, how he went. Jacob or Israel, do you remember that? He knew his time was close. And you know, we walking with God, we ought to know when our time is close. And it ought to be at the end of a full life. In a full age, like a shock of corn. We know we've, we've been through all the seasons of life. 
And now we're, we're at near the harvest time. We're, we're toward the season. And we ought to know when it's about the time. He did. And he called all of his sons into the room. And uh, he, he raised himself up in the bed, sat up in bed. And the Spirit of God enabled him. And uh, I mean, this, this is the death of the righteous. Then he, at the end of all of it, the Bible said he, he pulled his feet up and he gave up the ghost. Just left. No tubes, no drugs, no terrible pain from some uh, ravening, ravaging disease. That's the way to go. I said, that's the way to go. Full of age, full of years and experience, full of life, having tasted of, of all the seasons of life and, uh, and been able to see the fruits of labor and know that you've run full race, finished your full course. There's nothing like running the race and hitting the ribbon. Amen. I said, hitting the ribbon. And that's what Paul said toward the end of his race. He knew that he had he'd finished his course. We should know that. And if you don't know that you have, what's that an indication of? You hadn't. You hadn't. Uh, I know uh, not too many months ago, my uh, father had a heart attack. And I know, you know, without going into a lot of details, just the grace and mercy of God that he's here and that we have him. Uh, from all natural reasons, looked like he, he should have gone, should have left. And uh, the doctor said so and specialist said so. But he said right in the middle of having this severe heart attack, and he said he thought he was dying. I mean, he's, he actually was seeing over into the other realm. That's how close he was. And uh, he said, he just, in the middle of it, he said, Lord, uh, it's not time for me to go, is it? And he said, the Lord said, no. So he fought it and resisted, and he's alive and living on. And uh, he went to the doctor just a few weeks ago, and they said, man, you're doing so good. You don't need to see us for another year. Glory to God. But see, what, what if he had believed a wrong thing that, well, this must be my time? Well, he'd be gone. Does it make any difference what you believe about these things? Makes all the difference in the world. I don't... See, uh, people that don't know these things, they think, well, you just have to make it best you can. And if something attacks you, well, you can't help it. You just go. But uh, we should know better. That no matter what's attacking, no matter what's going on, no matter what the diagnosis or prognosis, we don't have to die. I said, we don't have to die with one of the devil's diseases. I didn't lose you some, did I? I said, we don't have to die with one of the devil's stinking diseases. We don't have to die. Now, don't you misunderstand me. I've had family and friends that have, and I'm sure a lot of you have too, but it doesn't change the truth, doesn't change what we believe. We do not have to die early, young, midlife. We don't even have to have two years of our life cut off. We can make, take a stand and believe God and just say, I'm not giving up. I'm going to get my full term. I'm going to live my full life. I'm not letting the devil rob a day from me. I'm not letting him take a day, much less a year, much less 10 or 20. Because we only get to do this one time. Huh? This life, we are, I mean, now, you know, after this life, there'll be the eons to come for us to discover that and enjoy being, having a glorified body and all that. Thank God. But let's don't be short at this experience. 
Let's stay down here as long as we're supposed to. And just get, just do the whole thing. Do the whole thing. It's none of the devil's business when and how you go. Hmm? You know, we have a lot to do with how and when we go. You remember Philippians? But let me just read it to you again. You know, he talked about that he was in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which was what? Far better. And you have to watch that. Because you get to thinking about that sometimes. <laughs> I know my grandmother had an experience she, where she went to heaven. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't get excited about everybody's heaven stories. I, of course, I like Brother Hagin's heaven stories and a few other people's. But some people you wonder about their heaven stories. <laughs> but uh, she, she, told, she told her stories a lot of times the way Brother Hagin would tell his same way every time. And you could tell it was so real to her. She, and uh, one thing I asked her just as a little boy, because I'd, I'd see her, she'd get misty-eyed when she talked about it. And I, and, and I said, I just one day I realized, I said, you'd have stayed if you could, wouldn't you? She said, yeah. Now later on I realized that at the time she had this experience, she was just in her early 20s. She had two little small children, one little baby. And I said, uh, later on I said, now, now Grandma, I said, you would have stayed if you could have? She would have said, yeah, honey. I said, uh, even though you had the babies here and everything else, you'd have stayed? Tears came in her eyes. She said, I'd have stayed. So there, there's, there's something about that place. Amen? That's just so far out beyond here that... And, I th- you know, in working in healing school for year after year... I saw many times that we'd be making progress with people and uh, something changed and they got their mind on heaven and they got their mind on going on. And man, if they do that, it can be hard to get them back. Because if they, if they feel like they don't have anything to live for and they don't have any strong reason that they want to stay, a lot of times people are just, they just quit. They want to go on. And if they do, then there's not a whole lot you can do about it. You, you might hold them a little bit temporarily, but eventually you're going to have to succumb to what they want. And uh, if, if somebody close to you did that, don't feel hard at them. I mean, uh, I, in working with sickness and disease, it's tough, man. When you fight the good fight a long time, you can get weary. You, you get tired of hurting. You get tired of dealing with it and fighting with it. And a lot of times it just gets a whole lot easier just to go on. Besides that, heaven gets to looking so good. And what have you got to look forward to down here? Sometimes people are not, they feel like, well, I've done about all I want to do. And so they just go on. And God never let you down. If you were trying to believe for somebody to stay and, and not go on, and they did go on, God didn't let you down. God didn't let you down. That, that person might have decided, well, <laughs> I'm going to go. Just respect their desires and wishes. Respect the situation. But at the same time, you need to make up your mind. I need to make up my mind whether we're going to do our whole tour of duty down here or not. 
And it's not, I mean, when you're in the middle of a battle, it's not the time to try to figure it out. We need to make the stand. We are going all the way. We're not going to let the devil rob from us. You know, for one thing, you got work to do and I got work to do. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Somebody else will have to take up the slack. So if you get in the middle of a fight and you decide to just quit and go on, when we all get to heaven, we may come over to your mansion and want to talk to you. <laughs> we may say, hey, what's the idea of leaving early? Left all your work undone for us to do. <laughs> and it won't be doing any good for you to say, well, I couldn't help it. I was attacked. We say, ah, you knew what we knew. <laughs> So, you know, this is, this is where the thick of it's at. This is where all the devils are and the curse is. We're the good soldiers on the front lines. This is where the action is. And it is rough sometimes. But hey, let's don't bail out early. Let's, let's go through the whole tour so we get the whole hero's welcome and reward. Can you say amen? Amen. Just reading here again, Paul said in Philippians, we started quoting it, but let's just read the rest of it to you. He said that he had a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, he said to abide in the flesh is more needful to you. Uh, He had said in verse 22, what I shall choose, I wot not. Or I I know not. I don't know which one I'm going to choose. That's an enlightening phrase, isn't it? Now, Paul's talking about whether he stays and works or whether he goes home to be with the Lord. And can you see that he's, he's torn between the two? He's, he's expressing through the words by the Holy Ghost what's going on inside of him. He said, uh, I'm really in a fix here. I'm really pulled because I want to go to be with the Lord. Because that's a lot better than being here. <laughs> that's it. And you know, how many know that it's not whether we're going to get to or not. We're going to get to. Right? It's just whether we do it now. Or a little bit later. And in, in, in you know, the face of eternity, what would be another 10 years or 20 years or 50 years? Wouldn't be anything. It seemed long to you at the time, but it's, it's nothing. But he said, I I, want to go and be with the Lord. It's far better than being here. He said, but it would help you for me to stay. I guess he got to thinking about them and he thought, man, you know, you need some help. (laughs) And before he was through with his comments, he said, having this confidence, I'm going to stay. Because you you really need some help. You know... uh, in, in the Psalms, the psalmist talks about, let me show your, he said, uh, talking about God sustaining him in strength now when he is old and gray-headed. And he said, and let me show your strength to the generation to come. You know, I'm convinced that a lot of times by the time that people reach the latter years of their life where they have a lot of knowledge of walking with God and a lot of knowledge of walking in victory... Many times the enemy really bombards them to get them off the scene before they are able to transmit or communicate a lot of that to the younger generation coming up. I know uh, there was a, a sister in our church before I ever came to Rama. Her name was Sister Luna Kay. Some of these good southern double names. 
And uh, she, uh, she was attacked with cancer. And she was a, a great woman in the church. I mean, everybody, when she got up to testify, it blessed everybody. You, you know she lived what she talked. Just a good, solid, godly woman and a leader in the church. Well, she wasn't that old. I mean, she was, I guess she was in her late 60s. So she wasn't that old. And she had cancer. And the doctor said she's dying. Well, I used to go by her hospital room every day. And I didn't, I hardly knew anything. But I got in a hold of healing just a little bit. And I'd go by her room and try to talk to her a little bit and see if we could talk her out of dying. And I wasn't very successful part of the time. She kept throwing these, you know, un- misunderstandings about scriptures like Paul's thorn and Job and this and that. And I didn't really know what to tell her at the time. Finally, I hit on this, though. I said, well, I said, Sister Luna Kay, I said, do you think you're through with everything that, that you need to do? Are you, are you satisfied? Have you done everything that the Lord wants you to do? And she said, well, I, you know, I don't know that I am. And I read that verse, you know, with long life, he'll satisfy us, show us his salvation. I said, do you feel like that you really have lived all that you need to and done all that you... She said, well, I love going to church and I love being involved. I said, do you feel like you're through? Well, I don't know that I am. I said, besides that, I said, us young people need people like you. I said, we, you know how ignorant we are. We, we need some help. <laughs> would you come, would you, you know, let's believe God for you to get healed and, and come back and help us. And boy, she got a little twinkle in her eyes. She said, you think so? I said, yeah, I do. I'm seeing I'm getting somewhere now. Boy, I jumped on it like a dog on the bone. I said, yeah, I do. I do. I said, you know, we have a right to, to, to long life. That, that's all I knew, but I'm camping on that. Long life. Long life. And uh, do you know the Lord's my witness? She, there was a spark in her that occurred that day. And I came back a couple days later. And man, she's sitting up in bed. She was virtually bed fast. She's sitting up, talking good. And so I, I jumped on it again. I said, so we're going to get well and come back to the church and help the young folks. She said, you know, that sounds good. I said, yeah, let's, let's do God's a big God. He can do it. And you know, she got better and better and came home. Glory to God. And came to the church and stood up and testified. She came back to help the young folks. Well, see, that's biblical. Showing God's strength to the generation to come. It ought not be that just, you know, just about time that you learn a little bit about God and you get a little experience under your belt, then you're gone. But no, uh, we ought to stay long enough until we can help the generation coming up under. Amen. Glory to God. So, he's, Paul said, I, I, you know, I don't know which one I'm going to do. I, I really am being pulled to go home to be with the Lord. Because that, that's my personal preference. I'd like to do that. Sure would be a lot better than being down here. But then you get to the part of being unselfish, considering other people. He said, it's needful for you for me to stay. You know, that's a big part of it, isn't it? Just being, not thinking so much about yourself. Well, Lord, uh, you know, what can I do for them? Now, the devil's a liar. He'll come and tell you, especially, I've seen people in healing school before that were just under tremendous physical attack. And the devil just come and sit on their shoulder and lie to them and say, Now, you know, really, your family would be better off if you just go on and die. You're just a burden. And you just, you know, are in the way and you're slowing them down. And this and that. And you really would be, your family is better off, really, if you just go on. How many understand that's a lie? 
That is a lie. You don't have to be sick for the devil to tell you that. He's a liar. You are not an unnecessary part in the body of Christ. There are no unnecessary parts. You are a vital and important part. Now, if you don't feel important, it may be because you're not doing all that you can and should be doing. But that can change too, can't it? We can get direction. We can find out more about our purpose. We can get busy, get on the job. But don't believe the lie that you're just biding time, that you're just taking up space, that really, if you'd get out of the way, somebody else could step in, maybe do a better job. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. The reason I say it's so strong is God's been, excuse me, uh, the Lord's emphasizing that, but the enemy has been uh, telling some people that. He's been telling some people that here in this room. Well, you know, you just, you really, you really are through. You, are, you, already, you were done a while ago, and now you're just hanging around. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. You know how you'll know when you're through? Well, you breathe your last, or the trumpet sounds. You don't have to be wondering about it. If you're still here, there's a good reason why you're still here. Amen. And you're not done. And you're not through. And it's not time to just twiddle your thumbs and go, well, that's, that's it. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I wish I could just hurry up and get out, of, get out of everybody's way. I know my granddad, bless his heart. My grandmother, when she went on home to be with the Lord... Uh, she, you know, she was really a godly woman and was really holding the family together a lot more than some folk realized. My granddad, he never was a very godly man. In later life, he accepted the Lord. But after she left, man, his life was so empty. And he didn't, hadn't known God that well for himself till he was really, really miserable. And every time I'd come in to see him, we wouldn't be there a few minutes. He'd catch me on the side. He'd say, Keith, I want you to pray for me. I'd say, what? He said, I want to die. Won't you pray that I'd just die and go on? Well, <laughs> I, I couldn't pray that. I mean, uh, for one thing, I didn't know really in what kind of spiritual condition he was in. I wanted to make sure he was really ready to go before he went. And another thing, life is short anyway. Why rush it? I mean, like the scripture says, uh, human life, it's like a vapor. It, uh, even if you live a hundred plus years, that's nothing. And I know I'm, I'm being redundant and reiterating it, but it is a lie to think, well, I've already pretty much done everything I need to do and can do, and I'm just living on extra time now. No, no, no. This is still part of the race. This is still part of the course. You're still supposed to be bringing forth fruit. Amen. There's no such thing as spiritual retirement. No such thing. No such thing. Thank God you and I can be fruitful. That's what the Bible talks about. In old age can be fruitful. Hallelujah. Fruitful. Fruitful. Everybody said out loud, I'm not being robbed. I have an important place. I'll bear fruit. All the way, through my whole course. Go ahead, stand up. You need to say this out loud some more. Stand up. Say it out loud. I'll be fruitful through my whole course. I'll live out my full life and finish my course with joy and with long life. I'll be satisfied. 
I'll be satisfied. And if the Lord tears is coming, I'll come to the grave in a full age, like a shock of corn in its season, blessed, fulfilled, satisfied. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.